1: Hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome to the China Shop. We got another crazy, awesome, exciting guest episode for you today. I'm shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle?
0: I'm doing okay. I'm regretting buying lottery tickets on NVIDIA earnings, but other than that, uh, I'm, I'm doing fine. <laughs>
1: Oh
0: yeah, that <laughs> happened today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, did well. not do well. <laughs> Who's our guest today?
1: You know, earnings are a lottery. Uh, we got I a know. great guest today lined up. We've got with us here in the shop Gordon Stein, personal finance speaker and author of the Cash Flow Cookbook. How are you doing today, Gordon? Hey, just doing great. Good to be here in the China shop. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Try not to smash anything, or do? Oh, you smash it
1: up. It's fine. <laughs>
0: Gordon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How'd you get in, so interested in uh, personal finance?
2: Well, you know, my background's uh, engineering and an MBA, and spent a lot of years in high tech companies—sales, marketing, operations, executive. But I've always been interested in personal finance and wealth building. And I've had a lot of younger people in large teams reporting to me, and very often, you know, I watch they to say, "Hey, how do you build wealth? How do you get ahead? You know, what do I do with my paycheck? How do I invest? All of these things." Mm-hmm. And then um, I had this crazy event that happened. I stumbled on an nice idea of how to get car washes for free. Oh, really? And it just is it's kind of a, a nifty thing. Now that it was really saving a lot of money, and then I found a way to slash my home alarm monitoring costs. So you know, all told, fifty dollars—not a big deal. But it just struck me how easy it was, and that led to this two-year obsession to find the rest of the best personal finance hacks. So that's what I did. Found ways to save thirteen thousand dollars monthly, reducing monthly bills by that amount. Wow! I don't even make that much a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my other book. Oh, is it right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: How to make enough so you can save enough. Right, um, right, right. I'm looking through your, your uh, website, thecashflowcookbook.com, and I, I love the way that you have it structured. Because it's, it makes it kind of fun, like you're thinking of mm-hmm. it in a completely different way, in a way that's more palatable and easier to digest. And then the the bite-size breaking things up, like like you were saying, uh, that you've got tips on everything from thermostats to light bulbs to speed, the speed passes, eye care. I'd love to save money on my eyeglasses. I, I probably will be using this one in the future um
2: <laughs>
0: the wool dryer balls how'd you figure that out by the way so how did i figure out what wool dryer balls i never even heard of that
2: well it's interesting yeah it's, i just i stumbled into it on amazon you know normally you buy these dryer sheets and you got to buy them forever And uh, then on Amazon, I found these, I think they're Australian. They're little wool dryer balls. You buy them once and you throw them in the dryer with your clothes and it gets rid of the static, but you don't have to keep buying things every month. Mm -hmm. Not that that's going to save a fortune, but lots of the other ideas um, are really quite dramatic. You can save hundreds of dollars a month. I would say typical reader of the book would save somewhere between $1,000 and $2,000 a month, but the key is minimal effort, minimal sacrifice.
0: Yeah, no clipping
2: coupons. And well, none of that, no, you know, I, you make me laugh with that when you see these people, you know, <laughs> ideas like money saving. There's, there's a book that came out and some of the ideas were just preposterous, you know, make your own cleaning supplies.
0: Oh, Jesus. You know, I don't want
2: to make my own cleaning supplies or, you know, put tinfoil on your windows to reduce your air conditioning costs. I don't know how you see outside mm-hmm. or, you know, you're going to drive around five grocery stores. That stuff is just nonsense to me.
0: That also gets the police after you because it looks like a meth lab. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> So what are the ideas to to easily free up this cash flow without all this hassle. So that that interested me and pulled the book together and and take a look at, you know, you apply these savings to incremental investment Mm -hmm. and the results are just dramatic. You can just accelerate your wealth.
0: So how did you put all this together then? Like what resources did you use to even find all this stuff?
2: Well, it was about two years of research. I had people making contributions to my blog. Uh, I did a lot of online research, a lot of canvassing of uh, people who've done well financially. And it started as a list of these ideas and then I put them into a spreadsheet with you know what would be a low and a high monthly savings. Then I looked at the future values. So if you invest in these monthly savings at 7% over 10, 20, 30 years, what would that add up to? Mm-hmm. And the numbers were just astronomical. So I took the whole thing to my account and I said, hey, where's the math errors in this thing he went through? He said, you know what, your math is fine. He said, this will make a great book. And so then I, I had a bunch of character ideas and I had a bit of a plot line pull together and I tried to write it. It just didn't fit. It didn't fit as yeah. a novel. And under my breath one day, I said, Jesus, it's well, more like a cookbook. I thought, oh my goodness, that's exactly what it is. It's a cash flow cookbook. So um, I wrote the book uh, originally as a Canadian book, mm-hmm. Canadian edition, and then uh, it became a newspaper column in the Toronto Star. And that led to a lot of speaking engagements. And I literally just finished the US edition. It should be out within a week on Amazon. Oh, wow. And now I'm speaking on the book uh, across Canada and the US. What sort of things do you speak about? Well, I, I typically start by talking about the State of personal finance in the country that I'm speaking in. In both Canada and the US, it really is shockingly bad. You know, here in the US, 64% of Americans will retire with less than $10,000. Really? And it's really shocking. And the average wealth at retirement in both countries is about $200,000. I didn't realize Canada was that far behind. Yeah, they are, yeah, as well.
0: I know the U.S. carries a lot of credit card debt and has trouble savings, but...
2: Very similar in both countries. So, it's a big opportunity there. And, you know, using a handful of the ideas in the book, the average person could double or triple that, those numbers easily. So, I just think it's a big opportunity, very passionate about helping people with their financial wellness. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. What
1: What do you find that the uh, the biggest obstacles are to overcome for people that that need to get their financial state repaired? Yeah, I
2: would say the television. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it probably yeah. it probably takes about ten hours to implement. You know, a handful of these key recipes from the book, and most people just feel they don't have the time. Which to me is shocking, because you know, if you take fifteen, twenty minutes, a half an hour, and you free up one hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars. A month that goes on forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and people say they don't have the time to do that. And <laughs> you know, well, shocked <laughs> I think you have the time. The average Canadian American watches about 20 hours of TV a week. So if you can just give up a few episodes to add a million dollars to your wealth at retirement, <laughs> I think that's a thing uh, to do. And only
0: once, too, right? <laughs> but you know, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's hard not to watch that letter Kenny and. <laughs> Some of the other great programming they have. Didn't they have Red Green Show? Is that theirs?
1: <laughs> oh. Red Green. Haven't heard that one in a while, man. Oh, that's <laughs> so so a a that? show. <laughs> Look, I need my shows to distract me from how poor I am. I don't have time to save money and not be poor. (laughs)
0: Uh, I assume that you also covered uh, the cable costs, like how to cut cable costs. That's one of the ones that I see a lot of people talk about.
2: Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's a lot and sometimes people focus on the wrong things. Some are pretty obvious, like there's things that you can shop and there's so many tools out there now to quickly shop car insurance, home insurance, life insurance, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And then there's things that you can conserve on you know, your electricity bill, gas bill, there's some easy hacks to improve all of those numbers. But what's really interesting is um, then there's the disruptive kinds of things like switching to YouTube TV as an example, instead of cable, it's a, uh, something you talked about. And then there's a number that are just kind of stealthy. You know, credit score is a really interesting one where hmm. most people don't know their credit score, but those reports are often riddled with errors. <laughs> and your credit score swing your total interest cost on a loan by 70%. Whoa. And it can swing the cost of your Jeez. car and home insurance by 30 to 50%. So you have all these people... They're blindly moving along. They, they get car insurance. They get a price. They take the price away. They go, you know, and you can have a pair of twins, one with a great credit score, one with a poorest credit score, buy the identical car on the identical day. Mm-hmm. And one ends up 70% more in interest because they didn't know their credit score. And maybe the, it was just an error in their credit score that gave them the poor score in the first place. Could have been fixed.
0: Man, that's crazy. Uh, what are some of the other
2: bigger ticket items? Well, there's a whole bunch that are interesting, uh, and when I did the research, some were pretty surprising. An interesting one was clothing. And when I do um, when I do talks in person, as soon as I start talking about clothing, you can see a lot of people in the audience that kind of <laughs> recoil you know, I like having nice clothes. Don't take my clothes away. <laughs> I never got that personally. Oh,
1: not, not me. I go into Goodwill, and it's like, where are the blue tags at? I'm saving some money today.
2: <laughs> So, um, the stuff that really came up a lot in the research is that we only ever wear 20% of the clothing that we buy. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, until you look at, you know, a Marie Kondo show on Netflix and she's hauling all these garbage bags of clothing out of people's houses. Yeah. And, you know, I think those bags have got to be $1,000 each. Right. So, if we shop a little bit more mindfully, you could actually double your your wardrobe of great clothes, uh, but cut in half your total cost of clothing spend. But just getting a little bit more mindful and focusing on getting the right quality item. So that was kind of an interesting one. Mm-hmm. The credit score one was probably the most surprising, just how big that impact is and how hidden it is. There's also a lot of hidden expenses in investment fees, right? Because it tends not to be as visible. People don't take a look at you know where that money is going, and maybe they're spending a lot on you know perhaps expensive mutual funds, but still not getting the performance. Uh, that could be benchmarked against the industry. Mm-hmm. So that's another area that uh, that can be a bit surprising. But most of these things, you know, if you went through uh, and read Cashflow Cookbook, you went through it cover to cover, a lot of people would look at a given recipe and they'd say, geez, that, I'm already doing that or, gee, that doesn't apply to me. And that's no problem. All you need to do is find... You know, four, five, six recipes in there out of the 60, each one saving, let's say, $200. Here's $1,200 a month Mm -hmm. of incremental investment, or maybe you're going to pay down debt with it. So it's kind of book one of personal finance. It's a great way to really see where your expenses in check. And the whole premise is minimal effort, minimal sacrifice, not about giving up things that you love. It's about reducing all those other bills to free up cash for what's important to you.
0: So, say we get the book, we go through, we find a way to free up, like you said, about $1,200 a month in extra, you know, cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we do with it then?
2: Well, there's lots of cooking puns. So, I talk about broiling a bill. So, you want to broil all the <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could do that with bills. And then once you broil a bill, I talk about savor the savings. So, you know, rather than just, you know, reducing the cost of, let's say, your car insurance or whatever it is and leave it sloshing around in your checking account. You know, you're going to have a a spouse who's going to spend that money or maybe it goes to your kids or maybe you spend the money. So better is right away you commit it to something meaningful. So maybe you're going to up your car loan payment or maybe you're going to increase your contributions to your 401k or your Roth IRA. Uh, or get it locked into your company uh, share purchase plan, something like that. So put it to a good purpose right away. You didn't have the money before, and better than that money is helping you than going to, let's say, the car insurance company or the cell phone company.
0: That's something that I've always tried to preach to to people. When well, Nobody really listens to me, though, but uh, like anytime you get a raise, like uh, you don't expect okay. the raise. You've been living without it, uh, just Put that into your savings until you can get your savings rate right up into a point where you're comfortable with it. That's it, exactly.
2: I call that lifestyle inflation. There's actually a recipe in the book on that. Oh, really? Um, and that's a really powerful way uh, to start to build wealth. You know, you get a raise of whatever it might be, you get a 6% raise. Right off the bat, you want to allocate some portion of that to increasing your investment. Otherwise, it'll just get gone and that lifestyle we we'll just keep creeping up.
0: Keeping up with the Joneses, is, huh? I think that's probably one of, the more expensive, that's uh, sure. one of the more expensive things that people have to deal with. You know, your neighbor gets a nice new lawnmower and then suddenly you're looking at your old one and it doesn't look as good anymore now. Now you got to get one to keep up.
2: Yeah. I don't know if lawnmowers are maybe the most exciting example, but there's there's something there's something in what you're saying for sure. I'm only speaking from experience. <laughs> I
0: was talking to my neighbor about mowing my lawn and he was looking at mine and he was like, mm, I need a new one. <laughs> Oh, that's it. Yeah, life life imitating. No, wait, that's, uh, that's not the right pun. Never mind.
1: Art imitating life.
0: I suppose. <laughs> that kind of fits, right? That's, that's close that's enough. That's
1: what art is, Kyle.
0: <laughs> mowing, your, mowing your lawn. Mowing your lawn, yeah. Do I see that you do some work too with, uh, with students?
2: Yeah, I've done some speaking uh, to student groups, colleges, and universities. I had a really interesting one uh, recently. One of my wealth advisor clients I spoke to all of his clients to help them free up more cash flow for investing. and do a lot of that sort of thing. And it turns out he's a Boy Scout leader mm-hmm. and he was chatting with his, his Boy Scout troop. And I said, Hey, what about doing a financial wellness talk for them? Cause I like to do a few every year that are, you know, kind of pro bono helping people out. Mm-hmm. So we said, yeah, great. why don't you, why don't you do that to the troop? So we, uh, Group of eleven to seventeen year olds, and and my wife said to me, "She said, make sure you go really slowly. They're eleven to seventeen years old. Like, don't be flying over their heads." (laughs) So I kind of regrouped my talk a little bit, and uh, you know, they were all there in their troop uniforms, and a bunch of dads who were the you know troop leaders and whatnot. And uh, it was just a great night. We were I don't know where we were in a church basement somewhere, and um, so I'm going through this. I'm being really careful not to go too fast. Well, we come to the Q and A. And first kid puts his hand up and says, well, you know, what are your thoughts on cryptocurrency? You know, I'm thinking about Ethereum, you know, versus versus Dogecoin. And he gets into all this stuff. And then <laughs> the next kid says, uh, what about art NFTs? Do you think they're a good investment or should I be looking elsewhere? These are kids 11 to 17. And then somebody else says, about the efficient market frontier? Do you believe that or do you think there's a better way to invest than that? I'm just going, oh, my, yeah, my wife was there with me. I said oh afterwards, did I, go, did I go slowly enough for them? You think you know, <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it was just so funny, but it gave me a lot of hope for the future. You know these, yeah. uh, these gentlemen, uh, right into it. You know it was really remarkable, and it just a, a fabulous night to help them. And you know, in general, the level of financial literacy in both Canada and the U.S. It's really shocking. We've just not done enough in the schools to help people. Mm-hmm. and when you look. Stats, you know, 50% of the calls to employee assistance programs are about money. You know, people stressing about their money. 41% in 41% of divorces, couples cited financial stress as the number one issue in the marriage. Mm -hmm. So it's affecting our workplace. It affects relationships, certainly from a mental health perspective, stress and depression. um, Just remarkable what happens when people get stressed about their money. And it just doesn't have to be that way. There's lots of things that people can do to improve their financial situation. Minimal effort, minimal sacrifice. That's the whole idea behind Cashflow Cookbook.
0: I love it. Minimal sacrifice is what you need to sell it.
1: Yeah,
2: right.
0: Right. I like the minimal effort part. I I like the idea of being able to make uh, some small changes and actually be able to see results immediately and forever.
2: Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing exactly. You make these changes because it's on these recurring bills, you know. and if I, You know, the idea of paying too much on an electricity bill just makes me crazy. But then, if you know, <laughs> I went to see the Eagles recently. I want great seats to see the Eagles. Yeah. But I don't want to pay too much on my, my gas bill, my cell bill, my car insurance. All those things need to be ground rate down. Still getting, you know, good quality, good coverage, all those things. Uh, there's always a better way. Every bill can be reduced.
0: Right. So which Eagles was that? Was that the band or the, the football team? Oh, the band. <laughs>
2: Okay, oh, good. Oh, one good one. One you're thinking about the Browns.
0: Oh yeah, I'm sorry if you're a Browns fan. This will oh, be the year of the wow. Only yeah. if Watson actually gets the play. <laughs> <laughs> Let's
1: see what'll happen there. I know, right? All right. Next up on Money talking Sports.
0: Oh, Do you know, Watson? No, I'm just kidding.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <No. laughs> uh, I was looking through your blog and there was something that popped up on there. I'm trying to find it real quick so I can ask you about it. Yeah. It was, I think you had talked about in your bio or somewhere about how to stop stressing about money. I was curious about what, what your, your tips on that were.
2: Just about stressing about money in general? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one is... Spend less time staring at the the stock prices, you know, that will literally make you crazy. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, I'm feeling attacked. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, I think one of the big ones is I like getting people to track their wealth, what they own minus what they owe. A lot of people focus on monthly budgeting. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, particularly in the case of couples, when you say to your spouse, hey, let's do some. You know detailed budgeting this weekend Mm, sexy it it doesn't land well often no not usually (laughs) (laughs) if you move from that you know i mean if you set a budget let's say you say okay we're going to spend uh six hundred dollars or less on a car payment if you go to a car dealer and say you know our budget is six hundred dollars well he's going to get you into a you know a porsche turbo on a 200 month loan or something (laughs) right you're still making your budget, but you're really not doing your wealth any favors. So I think wealth is, you know, it, it kind of tells you the truth about where you're at. If you want to lose weight, you got to look at your weight. If you want to build wealth, you have to look at your wealth. And most people have no idea. So just making a simple schedule, you know, on a cocktail nap, kind of piece of paper, Excel spreadsheet, or you can go to the utilities section of cashflowcookbook.com, download a free template, and just set this thing up. What do you own? You know, you've got a car, you've got... Houses or whatever. And then what do you owe? You've got credit cards, you've got mortgages, all of these things. And you just look at the difference and just track that. I think it's really worthwhile to track that every month for a year, then go mm-hmm. to the quarterly or yearly after that. But then you really start to feel differently about your money. You realize that, hey, we're on a good path. You know, some people are actually negative. You know, maybe you get out of school, you've got some student loans, whatever the case may be, or you got a lot of debt. But is it moving in a good direction month after month? I think when you do that, that dramatically lowers your stress. Mm -hmm. Because then you start to get a picture and you say, okay, I'm actually improving our wealth. If you have that wealth, it gives you opportunities. Maybe you want to take a year off, you want to retire early, you want to switch careers, you want to join the family business, build a school in Nepal, whatever it is. But when you have wealth, you've got some options, you've got some choices. And I think that is where you get de-stressed about your money. And then what about budgeting then? Well, I think you can do the budgeting. I like um, a slightly different approach. I talk about uh, I talk about beautifying your banking. And so a real simple change for people to make is often, particularly with couples, they'll have one big joint checking account and the two paychecks go in there and everything comes out. And you never know where you are. There's recurring bills coming out. You go for dinner out and then things get overdrawn. And then you forgot about the mortgage payment or the taxes, whatever. I think a better way to set it up is you have two bank accounts, one that pays all those recurring bills mm-hmm. and the other that's more the You know, the monthly discretionary, the dinners out, the groceries, et cetera. So much easier to keep track of it. And then if you go back to that account that's paying the bills, you want to go through bill by bill, use all the techniques in Cashflow Cookbook to reduce all those bills. As you free up that, that's going to go into your savings. Roth IRA, 401k, company share purchase plan, whatever it is. And so now it's much, much simpler. And then the whole notion of budgeting All of those bills are what they are. You're going to grind them down. You're going to free up those savings. And then over in your sort of regular checking account, that's more of the discretionary things. And once you've gone through the recurring bills, then you can sort of shift your attention and look for ways to, you know, reduce the cost of vacations and groceries and those sort of day-to-day things. Mm -hmm. I think it's simpler and cleaner than trying to set a budget. Inevitably, one category is going to go over the dishwasher breaks, wasn't in the budget. Kid loses a whole bag of hockey gear. Whoops wasn't in the budget. <laughs> so it's still something you tell to me. But if you're tracking your wealth and you set up your accounts on that way, I think it's a simpler way to manage your money.
0: I feel like kids should be their own line item.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or a few That's- line items. Uh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Most of the line items. Yeah. I think we just had one of our, one of our kids just moved out and I think our food bill got cut in half as soon as she left. Oh, wow. How is that possible? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not like we only sit around and eat, you know, craft dinner and hot dogs. (laughs) Yeah. We still like to eat, you know, decent. Just, ah, you never realize how much a teenager eats. Yeah.
2: They they do for sure. (laughs) Right when they're launched. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) 18 years of debt. (laughs) There's some benefits. There are some benefits.
1: Never turns into an asset. Always a liability.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I think the goal is to have them take care of you when you're no longer able to to function as an adult.
1: That's that's the dream.
0: That's the that's
2: the plan. Yeah, don't count on on that.
0: Okay, I know. (laughs) If you're stuck in a home, it's either that or you hope that they make it as a you know musician, rock star, or professional athlete. (laughs) Right. one or the other
1: a lot of ticket a lot of ticket (laughs) on your kids
0: all right that's why you have as many as you can
1: yeah there you go
0: crease your odds good
1: lord (laughs) we are off the rails sir
0: (laughs) a little bit uh let's talk about credit card debt a little bit because that's something that uh i think a lot of people struggle with especially with um you know the lockdowns and everything else that's been going on yeah um Like, what's the best way to try to pay that out or get yourself out of debt when you find yourself, you know, suddenly on the wrong side of that?
2: Yeah, it's a big one. And, you know, it just keeps going and going, like all this sort of micro payments now, just about everything you buy online, there's always an option. Oh, do you want to just, you know, pay for that at only, you know, $7 a week instead of actually paying for it? Right. So the marketers keep getting sharper and sharper and, you you know, they, they build up this emotion where... You know, you just have to have these things and then they look cheaper on payments and there's just, it's an endless battle uh, against the consumer. And, you know, we don't get any more sophisticated as consumers, but the marketers keep getting more and more sophisticated and credit Mm -hmm. is just the rule of choice. So, you know, I think one of the best things is to really go, goes back to that wealth chart, because then you're going to start to see that debt in there. And if you take a look at, you know, what are you paying in interest on these cards? It's really remarkable. You know, I mean, if you're just floating, say, $3,000, a lot of people um, not paying cards off every month, that is one of the first things you really want to tackle. Mm -hmm. And people say, you know, I don't have the cash flow to pay off the card. Well, obviously, you can slow down spending. But the other thing is you can free up money in all these other areas that we're talking about and use that to pay down the cards. So I think there's no easy way to do it, but you really have to have the discipline. Often people are, are spending on their cards are sort of chasing these points on the cards. And one of the first mm-hmm. things to do is take a look at, you know, a quick bit of math. I mean, typically a card will pay out something like one and a half percent or one and three quarters percent as a reward. And If you just take a minute, go back and take a look at your spending for the year. And first of all, did you get enough from awards to cover the cost of the card? If the card has a right, yeah, most people don't even do that piece of math, they get all excited. They're going to be going to Bermuda every week, and in fact, they don't have the <laughs> spending to do that. And, then, and sends them to use the card, and then this interest is just absolutely toxic. And just to you know, take an example of it. You know, credit card interest easily twenty four percent right now. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were in a fifty percent marginal tax bracket, that's the equivalent of the opposite of a 48% government bond, if you think about it. It's a sure thing. There's zero risk. Mm -hmm. You have to pay the money back, right? Think of the debt as being the opposite of an investment. And you have to pay it out of your after-tax money. Mm -hmm. So if you make a dollar and, you know, after the taxes come out, for argument's sake, you end up with 50 cents. You're not paying the the debt out of the dollar. You're paying it out of the 50 cents at a 24% interest rate. So, there is no move you can make in anything you want to do in your finances that's better and more beneficial for your wealth than paying off your credit cards. That's absolutely number one. Number two? <laughs> um, well, number two, I think, <laughs> is, is uh, freeing up cash like we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they, they tie in together. So, as you free up the cash, you've got money to pay down the debt. Usually, people say, hey, do I pay down my debt or do I, you know, try and increase my investment? Um, and that you'd have to look at carefully, because you have to look at your tax rate, and you have to look at you know what kind of expected returns you're going to get. But I could tell you without looking at anything, if you're carrying that credit card, get debt. You want to get rid of it.
0: Yeah, it's very rare you're going to find something that's going to return you reliably more than twenty four percent.
2: That's the key right there. After tax return, you twenty four percent after tax. Mm-hmm. That's the key. So, you know, I would say the order of operations, you know, most personal finance books, they start off by saying, well, you want to save 10% of your gross income, then you want to invest that in real estate or stocks and bonds or whatever. But they miss the part before that, where do you get the 10%? Right. And it's interesting, you know, if I talk to people earning $50,000 a year, they say, geez, yeah, I don't have the 10% uh, for anything because we're just too tight in the budget. What's interesting is when I talk to people making $500,000 a year, they say, yeah, no, I just don't have the 10% because we're just too tight on the budget. So it yeah. happens at all income levels. So freeing up that cash, um, I think, is just critical. You know, it's really about rewiring your brain. You know, people get so excited about things and this sort of endorphin rush of buying a new thing. But if you follow the emotion all the way through, that endorphin rush runs you know, it probably drops in half by the time you get the thing home. Mm-hmm. And then when the credit card bill comes, it actually spins to negative. You are saying, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Why did I do that? <laughs> and people could just rerun that movie in their head and uh, maybe it might save them the next purchase.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's why the whole idea of tracking your wealth is so important because then you switch this gamification where you start to get excited about the freedom you're going to have mm-hmm. and the ability to, you know, do different things in your life. maybe you know, get to your higher purpose if you have one other than a purpose of just paying the bills every month and trying to get out of all that. So, I think that's where the transformation happens.
0: I've always been in the mindset of paying cash for any large purchases. So, that means if I don't have the cash to pay for it, I have to save for it. And a lot of times what ends up happening is after I've saved for it, I decide I don't really want it that much anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I'd rather have the money in my bank account to go do something else with.
2: Right. Yeah, the cooling off period, I think, is a really good idea. And, you know, it comes back to this business. The marketers just get so savvy, and they get so worked up about these things. At the end of the day, you know what? They're really just things, and they don't really give you lasting pleasure. Mm -hmm. You know, if you compare it with, you know, a hobby or an interest or something you're excited about or, you know, being outdoors or spending some great time with your family or kids or friends or whatever. Or away from them. Right. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> depending. Well, I, I love that saying, friends are God's way of apologizing for giving your relatives. <laughs> 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 nice. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's that's the thing on, the, on that credit card debt.
0: I wanted to ask you, too, about emergency funds Um, Mm -hmm. and if you cover that in uh, any of your topics. Like, what do you prioritize over when you're dealing with debt and you don't have an emergency fund? Which one is more important to try to solve first?
2: Yeah, I mean, they're they're both really important. I mean, uh, some of the financial writers will say the first thing you do is you want to establish that emergency fund. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's pretty good advice. Uh, If you look at the percentage of Americans who can handle even a $400 kind of shock to the system, it's really low. Uh, most mm-hmm. people have a hard time with even a $400 thing. So hence the value of the emergency fund. I just don't know if it's the best place to start because it's really not that rewarding. You know, let's think about this emotionally. You, you carefully squirrel away a bunch of money and you've got your $1,000 emergency fund. Well, You know that's not that inspiring. That's why I like to start with boiling a bill. Mm -hmm. You go after a bill and you free up some money with it. You know it takes you fifteen or twenty minutes, and suddenly you've got another, let's say, two hundred dollars a month. Now, a good use for that, depending on your situation, might be to set up your emergency fund so you don't have to go into debt when the dishwasher breaks. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a good idea. I would just start with this idea of, you know, boiling a bill first. Then you might want to use it for that. Now I would say too though. If you're swimming in credit card debt, um, I don't know if the emergency fund is actually your biggest priority. I might be inclined to, you know, pay off that uh, credit card debt because it's, it's accelerating or it's decelerating your wealth the whole time. If you can pay mm-hmm. that debt off, um, you know, you're freeing up that interest. And, and then you can really start to save an emergency account or whatever your other wealth goal is.
0: Yeah, I've always wondered if you know keep keeping a six month emergency fund is really the thing you want to do when you've got you know twenty thousand dollars worth of debt on cards. Like, what good is making minimum payments just so you can put money in a bank account that's not doing anything? If you shrink that uh, you know fund down a little bit and put it towards some of that debt, because you can always just go back to the credit card <laughs> if if the emergency happens.
2: Well, I mean, if you're floating twenty thousand dollars of credit card debt, that could be four or five hundred dollars a month in interest. Right. So. You know, are you really going to set your money aside in an emergency fund when you've, you're paying out four or $500 a month in interest? Mm-hmm. I think your priority in that case is you're going to get that card paid off.
0: I would agree with that too. Uh, what are some of the other, you do a lot of these speaking engagements, what are some of the, the, the common questions that people come to you with?
2: Well, I'm often surprised by some of the questions. You know, People ask me things like, um, is it better to put money into 401k or into stocks? And I, you know, I, 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 in many cases, I'm, I'm surprised and it really highlights the need for more financial education because, of course, a 401k is like a container. It's a place where you can hold things like stocks. It's not a 401k right. or stocks kind of a thing. So, um, you know, that comes up a fair bit. Um, you know, a lot of people say, hey, I'm really late in the cycle. I'm late getting ready for retirement. I'm now 50 or I'm 55 years old. I've really not saved much of anything. What do I do now? That one comes up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think all situations are salvageable. They say, is it too late to start saving? Well, you know, the best time is when you're 12. And the second best time is right now. You know, so there's no time to be wasting. But pretty much every situation could be salvaged. I had a gentleman uh, who reached out to me. He heard me speak somewhere. He was from Kansas. And, you know, he said, look, uh, here I sit. I'm 50 years old you know, making about $100,000 a year. And he hadn't saved anything for his retirement. And he felt that he was right to the wall on his budget. <clears throat> so I just said, hey, you know, why don't you send me your, your budget? Where are you spending your money? So we went through, we identified a handful of things. He freed up about uh, $500 a month. Again, minimal effort, minimal sacrifice, just using ideas from the book. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, um, you know, he started investing that. He put that into his, he had a matching 401k at his company. And he hadn't contributed to it. Mm -hmm. So here you have this terrific opportunity. We were companies that could contribute. He didn't take that free money because he didn't have the cash flow. So we freed up the cash flow, got into this contributory 401k, and he was on track to retire with about a half a million dollars. Wow. Now that's not a plush retirement, but it's a whole lot better than nothing.
0: Yeah, especially if the average is what do you say, 10,000?
2: Well, the average is about 200,000.
0: I guess it depends on which average you're using, right? Because you probably have a bunch of people with millions, and then you have the rest that are sitting around twenty, right. thirty.
2: 30. Yeah. yeah, you have to look at the, the median. Yes. You know, versus the. You're going to get a very different number. But I think I mentioned before, you know, 64% of Americans retire with less than $10,000. Yeah. And that was the fate that this gentleman was headed for. You know, we did some really simple things. We shopped his car insurance. I think his. Sell coverage. I think he did have errors in his credit report. So we got all that fixed up. And then that eventually, uh, he was able to use that to lower his loan costs. So it was all these kinds of stealthy things. We didn't really change his, you know, he could still go out for his coffee. He could, you know, go for lunch, whatever he wanted to do. Um, But it made a big, big difference. And talk about change in his level of financial stress. Mm -hmm. um, Just dramatic and also easy to do.
0: The minimal effort theme that you get. Because I think that's what stops a lot of people from even starting is because they have this picture of themselves sitting over the Sunday paper, clipping coupons and not being able to go out to dinner ever, Uh, you know, just having to to live life like a prisoner in your own house. Uh, That's not necessarily
2: the case. And sometimes, you know, you look at some of these things and they really can be dramatic. I mean, one of the ones that's interesting is this idea of bringing your own lunch. A lot of people turn their nose up. I'm not going to start, you know, packing lunches and all that. But, you know, the savings on that, easily $12 a day, and that's just versus mm-hmm. you know, kind of a fast food lunch. So, you know, 20 working days a month, let's call that $200 pretty easily. Yep. So a young person starting off in their career and look at the future value over 40 years, 7%, um, that adds up to more than a half a million dollars just by packing their own lunch. Oof. And even if they only did it half the time, that would add a quarter of a million dollars to their wealth. So it might be something where you may look at it and you, you might say, um, wow, I didn't realize it was that high. There was an interesting situation where I worked with a woman and uh, she was a project manager. And uh, so we had a big project we were working on together and she would be at this meeting and she'd bring this big you know, Starbucks uh, latte, one of the Vonde, Vonde, Grande, whatever they are. You know, <laughs> You know, $6 worth or something. And then there was a second project, and um, and the meetings were at 11 o'clock, and she'd bring another one of these coffees to the other project. Wow. And then I walked by her desk, and I started noticing she'd have, you know, a a soda, a can of soda, and a bag of chips in the afternoon. And then I thought, she's actually doing this every day, and I did the math out of curiosity, $330 a month. (laughs) And I was telling the story to a friend of mine who has a Honda dealership, and he said, give me your number. So what, do mean, what do you mean, give me your number? He said, I can get her into a city. He was all keen to lease her a car with the money that she was spending on her, on her And a crazy thing is that the company in the lunchroom was a Starbucks coffee machine. And the whole premise is it makes coffee as good as the coffee at Starbucks. And it was free. And so that was the coffee that I was drinking. And you know, it was just $330 a month on coffee and snacks. You know, and I'm sure, you know, going home, struggling to make ends meet, you know, all of these kinds of things. And people just don't have the awareness of just a different way of doing something and just adding up some of these things uh, in their life and just seeing the impact because maybe they want to go ahead and stay with their coffee and snacks or whatever, um, but at least understand what the cost is and what that would, how much that would change in your wealth. Right. right.
0: That is incredible. It is incredible just how these little things just that I think you mentioned micro purchases. I think there's a whole South Park episode on on people uh playing those cell phone games and <laughs> going underwater just from yeah. you know 50 cents here, a dollar there and the next thing you know you're you don't
2: realize how much those things add up. Oh yeah. Yeah, just building some awareness. I think it really changes things when you have the awareness. I did I did see one of your blogs last year was
1: talking about uh dividend stocks and inflation. Do you mm-hmm. Do do you invest in the market and and have strategies that in the cookbook?
2: Yeah, oh, of course I do. <laughs> well, I don't in the in Cashflow Cookbook. I don't talk that much about investing, um, but I think I'm an advocate for most people of having a wealth advisor. I think the, the emotional part is just too difficult. Um, if you if you look what happened a couple of years ago when COVID hit mm-hmm. and the markets plunged by thirty percent, it takes a pretty steady hand. To not say, Oh my goodness, I'm going to lose everything. I've got to get out. And then, of course, we all know what happened. Then the markets came roaring back and you would have missed that ride back up again. Mm -hmm. So I think for most people, uh, particularly once you have a bit of wealth together, having a wealth advisor is a good idea. Um, I will say, though, I am a fan of uh, dividend stocks. You know, I'll just give you one example. And this is by no means, uh, to be taken as financial advice, you know, consult your advisor and all that. Right, yeah, right. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> that's, that's our whole show. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we're on the same page. But, you know, it's interesting. Um, prior to this big mess, I invested in a uh, company called ABM, and they're one of these dividend kings, you know, 40 years of uninterrupted dividends. And they do really mundane services for companies. They do all kinds of, you know, custodial kinds of things. And, you know, just... Different operational kinds of services for companies. Anyway, I think I bought it before this big mess for around, you know, $45. And it's got a yield, um, not a huge yield, about one point six seven two percent So it's a, a long-time dividend payer. And they mm-hmm. very reliably increase their dividends every year. And through this whole mess where things, you know, plunge dramatically, it's now trading at, you know, $47. Like literally nothing happened. It just keeps plugging along. And so many of these dividend payers are like that. You know, I bought some Lockheed Martin a while ago, mm-hmm. figuring, you know, the world's not becoming less dangerous. But, <laughs> you, <know, that's, laughs> right. you know, I mean, they're selling to the government. How can you miss, right? Yeah. Long-term yeah. dividend yeah. payer, you know, again, paying 2.6% yield or so. Um, you know, reasonable price earnings of 198 and, you know, they, there's a guaranteed market for what they have. You know, we're not going to need fewer drones and fighter jets and all those kinds of things. You know, even you take another example, you know, people, um, I get excited about things like Altria, you know, tobacco yeah. company, and they're morphing their business. But, you know what? It just keeps on going, keeps paying out the dividends. 6%. Yeah. Actually, 6.8 now. Jeez. <laughs> I've got some Sunoco, you know, yielding 8%. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. You know, we're going to be in, um, you know, petrochemicals for, for quite a while. I mean, we will move often, which is a good thing, but in the short term, you know, it's what the country runs on.
0: And Plus chemical uh, uh, plastics. You need oil to make plastic. That's something a lot of people oh, just think right. about the gasoline. Like like, there's a lot more things that oil gets used for than just gas.
2: Yeah. Right. It's, you know, and, and I'm all about clean energy and that's fantastic. But, you know, for now this is going to be here for, you know, for a period of years, for sure, it's not going away overnight. Or even things like pharmaceutical companies, you know, AbbVie. Mm-hmm. There's another one that's done really well. So, you know, what are these things that are kind of on trend, that are established blue chip companies, paying good dividends, long histories of rising dividends? You know, I think those are those are great investments through thick and thin. I'm a fan.
0: Mm-hmm. I would agree with that, especially when you don't have to think about it. Uh, who was the uh, the the person who came up with the idea of using dividends to like pay your bills um god who was that
1: marvin was talking to us about that was that marvin that was marvin that's the thing he does
0: yeah ah where he he would basically uh yeah invest in his utility company and then once he got the dividends up high enough from the return on his investment he would just use that to pay his bill
2: yeah i mean i did a blog post on something like that um you know, people are always complaining about the, you know, the price of iPhones. You know, I'm a big Apple mm-hmm. fan. You know, iPhones, oh my goodness, are so expensive. And actually, people just buy the stock, right? You know, and if you would if you would have bought some Apple stock, you know, I don't know how long ago I started buying it—20 years ago pick, or something, like a day. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Last year, you know, it was up down like anything else. But over the long haul, you know, if you had yourself, I don't know. $10,000 of Apple stock, $20,000, you'll quickly get to a place where you can buy a new iPhone every year, take that out of your Apple stock, uh, and it'll just continue on growing. So, you know, why worry about the price? But Get on board with these companies. You know, people are fussing about, you know, the prices of things. Well, be an investor, be an owner. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're less fussed about it. If the, if the price of iPhones go up, I cheer. Right. It's helping my Apple stock. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, I could see that.
2: <laughs> what are you guys investing in now?
0: Uh investing? Uh we're more trying to trade. Okay. Uh,
2: so yeah. yeah, we look for
0: shorter term swings, um market movements. Uh, I've been focusing on futures lately. Mm-hmm. Uh Dan, you've been trading indexes like the spy and yep. the queues. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have some long-term holdings. I have things like Salesforce, uh, Altera, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, uh, some stuff like that in my long-term portfolio, but uh, those I don't really touch.
2: Yeah, I think there's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, I'm always interested in some of these longer-term trends, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the metaverse to me is quite interesting. Right. And, um, you know, there's so many plays on that. You know, if you're going to metaverse, you're going to need cloud. So if you mm-hmm. want a cloud, you're going to buy it from either Amazon or Microsoft. Right. So, you know, I hold Amazon and Microsoft because other way I view it is if you want cloud, you gotta come see me. Yep. <laughs> right? It's like this bridge keeping the ocean. Yep. some of these, you know, and, and you know, things that are utilities in both the literal sense of the word, you know, gas, electric companies, those kinds of things, guaranteed markets, or ones that are utilities in the technology world. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know, you know, which cloud company I don't know which uh, SaaS company is gonna win. I just know they need cloud. Right. You know, and they need a data center and all of these kinds of things. So, I like that sort of bridge keeper philosophy. I think that's a really powerful one in investing. I like that idea. Yeah, I mean, in that yeah. case,
0: too, I didn't be looking more for probably a sector or an ETF that would be in that uh, rather than trying to pick a single stock as is- you know, a lot of people that ask you the questions, they don't have the time to actually dedicate to learning about all these different companies. So right. just buy a sector fund and not even worry
2: about it. You can do it that way too. Mm-hmm. You know, or some of the infrastructure things like Brookfield, you know, where they, they own the dams and the bridges and the toll roads and all those kinds of things. And you just sit back, you know, you don't really don't care who wins and who loses. Right. You know, it's that Bridge Keeper idea. You've got to cross the bridge or you're selling yep. bullets of war. It doesn't matter which side wins. You're the bullet salesperson.
0: <laughs> except with better ethics hopefully <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we like the analogy you're the guy selling the pickaxe during the
2: gold rush yes right. that, yeah yeah that's an even better one that's that's i think where it all began
0: most of the miners didn't make any money but the shopkeepers boy they sell the pickaxe of the guy who shows up wanting to go make a fortune and when he busts out he'd buy the pickaxe back for half price and sell it to the next guy <laughs>
2: All right well it's funny i was uh i was out west we were heading out to do some tree planting in my college days mm-hmm. and uh um, we're sort of camping on the way out there to to do our tree planting. and we ran into these guys and they're at the stream and they've got these pans and i, I said jeff yeah, they're panning for gold so we go chat them up about it and they explain the process anyway 10 minutes later we had all four hubcaps off our van <laughs> <laughs> and we're out there and uh the guy told us of the gold would kind of looked like little black specks, so we panned for a while and then went back and I said, "Hey, how do you know what's gold and what's just like little black specks?" And he says, "Well, you really don't so anyway I didn't <laughs> We didn't make any money, but it was it was it was a fun experience.
0: Oh, I do watch some people who do the gold panning on YouTube just because I think it's fun, but yeah, yeah, they they don't really ever have much. It's always just for fun. right Nobody's going out there getting rich anymore these days unless you have like excavators and you can really move some material. You right. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to save money, don't pan for gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's stopping you from uh, charging things on your credit card, in that case, it <laughs> probably is a good hobby.
1: You should, however, open a panning for gold service center and sell pans to people to pan for gold. That's right. how you make yeah. money.
0: Hubcaps. <laughs>
1: Hubcaps. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm curious, how yeah, yeah. did the hubcap work? Well, they don't sell for much as hubcaps, but as gold pans, you could probably up the price a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did the hubcap
0: uh, do the job pretty well?
2: Did it do the job And the yeah? The gold how pan?
0: did it work? Was it was it
2: good? Well, let's just say that I don't know that the hubcaps were the issue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It could have been not knowing anything about what we were doing. they may have been part of the issue.
0: Not knowing how to pan for gold might have been more at the top of the list.
2: <laughs> yeah. I just, that's I'm really lazy. I'd want to just
1: hang a big magnet over the, in the stream and just check it every couple of weeks. Except gold's not magnetic. It's not. All you'd get is iron. Don't, don't tell them that. You're going to upset them.
0: If you want to mine for iron, that'd be the way to do it.
1: There goes all my gold <laughs> dreams. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs>
0: Uh, uh-huh. Actually, you need a special magnet, Dan. Let me check the shop. I think I might have what you need.
1: You might have a special <laughs> magnet for sale. Okay, yes, yeah, a special gold <laughs> magnet. Thank you. Does it come with its own tinfoil hat? Yes, and uh, a
0: yeah.
2: And uh, a <laughs> hat. <laughs> it's a package deal. Well, you know, I think it's funny an industry that's like that now. I'm always amazed when I drive by these self storage places. You know, I don't know if you guys are, but. Uh, you know, these massive things. Some of them are, are so beautiful that I wouldn't mind living in some of them. I think some people do. Well, it plays on it plays on psychology. You know, you don't want to give up your stuff because it's your stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you see people get divorced and they got a house full of furniture, so it won't fit in their new place. What do they do? They go get themselves a storage locker, three $400 a month, and they put all this stuff in there. And they don't reason. They don't say, well, if it doesn't fit in my new house, it probably won't fit in the house after that either. <laughs> right. But then it's going to be you know, a little bit rotted or mouse chewed or something and it's going to be out of style. And meanwhile, they're paying $300 a month. They don't even put the thought into it. I'm just amazed by this. I'd rather be the owner of the self-storage business right, than somebody renting, uh, you know, a box in there. Yeah.
0: The other one is gyms. You see gym like uh, commercials like trying to like get you to open up a gold's gym or whatever the other, you know, names are. Uh, like that business has always baffled me. Like, oh, I'm going to pay you, you know, twenty dollars a month to come over here and and run in place when I could just run to the gym and be done.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like- <laughs> well, you know, or I think about this, you know, these body weight exercises, mm-hmm. all kinds of YouTube. Channels telling you what to do, and you, you know your body comes with its own gym. If you think about
0: it, yeah, yeah. That just we just tried yoga recently, and like that's no joke. <laughs> that's a real workout.
2: Isometrics. So that's a good no one. weights <laughs> needed. I tell you, an app that I am into these days um, is this Bit Gym. I don't know if you guys have tried it, uh-uh. but it uh, it's quite clever. You put it on your iPad, and uh, if you have a, a spinning bike or a treadmill, and it senses your movement, so it can tell how fast you are running through the camera. Uh-huh. And you can be in, you know, wherever you want to be. You can be in Belize or Austria and the rivers, or you can be, you know, in a mountain in Tibet. They have all of these different backdrops, um, and it speeds up the faster you go. Huh. And it really is terrific. You see different parts of the world. You can turn on the guided tour or turn it off. I don't get any commission from these people, but I just think it's a really slick way to work out. I think it's something like uh, $8 a month. Huh. Pretty cheap way to see the world and get your workouts in it's a fun idea cheaper than a gym
0: yeah cheaper than a vacation <laughs> and healthier <laughs> 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 that's
2: it exactly
0: all you need that is uber eats to get you the uh the food the local cuisine
2: right they may have to travel a little farther than anticipated <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh gordon uh this has been it's been a lot of fun chatting with you um if you want to uh, let the people know where they can find the book.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so Cash Flow Cookbook, there's a Canadian edition uh, up on Amazon. The U.S. edition will be up there by the 1st of June, 2022, depending on when you're listing this. It's uh, imminent on its way. Um, and it's got 60 different recipes in there for freeing up cash in every category of spend, from housing, transportation, food household, lifestyle, and financial. Mm-hmm. So everything you spend money on is a better way uh, to do it. And uh, it's really minimal effort, minimal sacrifice, great way to build some financial wellness. Uh, so look on Amazon for Cashflow Cookbook, and you can also go to cashflowcookbook.com where you'll see my blog posts, all kinds of other tools and ingredients and utensils, lots of bad cooking puns. And uh, right. <laughs> you can find out how to reach me. And if you're looking for a speaker, I work with uh, wealth advisors to help their clients free up cash. I speak at conferences, colleges, universities, uh, what have you. So I love getting the word out. I love helping people with their financial water.
0: Before you go, Gordon, I got to ask you, uh, what's the difference between the Canadian and U.S. version?
2: Uh, about $5. <laughs> <laughs> In the, um, there's, there's, there's some differences. There's some cultural differences. There's some math differences in the way things like mortgages are calculated. And then there's difference in the financial instruments. So 401ks in the U.S. are like an RSP in Canada hmm. as one example. And then there's a few recipes that are different as well. So, for example, you know, you have okay. universal health care in Canada. Yep. So there's not many yeah. nifty ways to save on uh, healthcare deductibles, whereas that is an important thing here. Um, right. In some, in some cases, the savings are bigger. You know, here in the U.S., I did a blog post on how I saved 94% on my prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. And you can save in Canada. You just can't save 94%. So that was a pretty remarkable one. That was $100 a month of savings. uh, Really, really simple to do. I've got all the details.
0: So you're saying the U.S. is better for saving?
1: (laughs) The U.S. is getting overcharged more, so there's more room to save.
2: No, 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 there's more room. There's more swing on most things. In the US. also <laughs> better comparison engines uh-huh. so you can more quickly compare things like car insurance home insurance life insurance um, there's more opportunity here quite honestly
0: <laughs> go Colorado no sorry <laughs> 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 oh dear okay uh, Dan you want to wrap us up before yeah, I start absolutely. bashing Canada
1: Absolutely. which
0: is like half our listener base
1: half our <laughs> listener base yeah <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks for tuning in, everybody. And making it to the end, uh, really special, warm thank you to you, Gordon, for coming on the show. This has been a wonderful conversation. Really glad to have
2: you. Hey, my pleasure. Happy yeah. to come back anytime.
0: Thank you for the tips too, by the way. Yeah, and when you write the book on how to save or how to earn fifty thousand dollars a month, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll definitely get you back yeah. for that one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just on I'm just on uh, the podcast rating here, giving you guys a five. As soon as I know that, I'll start on the next book. All right. <laughs> well, thank <you. laughs> well thank you thank you sir alright uh-huh. folks uh, we'll be
1: back at you soon with another regular episode but until then happy trades goodbye folks